The Trinity Center for Spiritual Living appreciates your selecting our podcast service as a part of your spiritual journey. The TCSL podcast has over 1,000 downloads a month worldwide by individuals just like you seeking to expand their spiritual magnificence. To express your gratitude and donate for the good you hear and the growth you experience from our lesson, visit our website at trinitycenteratlanta.org forward slash donate. As you donate, affirm, my offering affirms my commitment and my willingness to be an inlet and an outlet for the abundant good and energy of divine spirit. Please enjoy the latest podcast from the Trinity Center for Spiritual Living. Uh, experiences to tell, talk about what we're talking about is faith. Uh, cultivating a faith in this reliable source that's always there, that's endless. So I'm really talking about a force, a force that we're dealing with all the time and the power of faith in dealing with that force. So we who've been around for a while have heard this expression often in our, in our rooms. Treat and move your feet, right? Right. And treating, of course, is affirmative prayer. So we're saying that when you have faith in this principle, in this power, this life force, then you speak your word with confidence, and then you go about activating that word in your daily life, right? In other words, do something. Now, the same concept, the very same concept, is expressed in the Bible where it says, faith without works is dead. You know, you can talk about it all day long. There, you know, it's easy to be an armchair metaphysician and talk about how this principle works, but until you activate it, it's as if it's nothing. It's like it's dead, right? Faith without works is dead. And Ernest Holmes coined the phrase, act, act as though I am, and I will be. Gandhi said, you must be the change you wish to see in the world, right? So you see, mystics of all time have always proclaimed the same message. It doesn't matter who's saying it, what the frame of reference is. They're all saying the same thing. Be the change and all of that. It implies there is some positive action. There's always positive action that follows the prayer of faith. Always. Always. So the action words that we hear in these quotes that I've uh, shared is move, works, act, and be. Ernest Holmes says, there is a power for good in the universe, and you can use it. Use it. Use it. Yes, there is a power, and it's a power that has to be dealt with, and it's ever available. Now, George Lucas must have understood this concept of cooperation between the human and the divine when he gave his character, the Master Jedi, Obi-Wan Kenobi, may the force be with you. So you see, no matter how you cut it, no matter how you cut it, I love the, the song that Gwen sings at the beginning of the, the service. We're involved in it all the time, this one power. We're speaking about it 
It's speaking through us. It's inescapable. But to wake up and to be aware of it and realize our unity with it is powerful, folks. So I've noticed in some metaphysicians, when observing the appearance the appearance of separation, come on, face it, folks. We all go through that experience of it feels like there's God and me. God, there's a God out there sometime. But when, when going through that sense of separation and social injustices and, and injustices in the world, say that it's, it's really important to follow up with spiritual activism. Others, I'm talking about metaphysicians, others say the word activism has a connotation and a tendency to suggest that we're dealing with effect rather than cause. So they suggest that spiritual engagement is a better description of what we're talking about. So today I want to offer another perspective on this subject. Now, it's not necessarily a better one, not saying that. And it's not about a specific action that you must take, but rather presenting you with a little food for thought that you can go home and ponder over it yourself. It's another way of applying this awesome principle of truth. You see, here in our teaching and our way of expressing reality, we're not ever telling you what to think. That's your God-given, inherent nature. We're not telling you what to think. That becomes dogmatic. You're saying, come on. We know, we know what you, you need to be thinking. But we do make an effort to teach you how to think. There's a process in thinking. And your own inner guidance is going to teach you the what. <laughs> when you start listening to it. Now, we're all like-minded people, you know, most of us here. If you've, been, if you've been here one or two or three times, we're like-minded people, which means we have similar beliefs about the universe and how it works and our personal relationship with it and the creative process. But like-mindedness does not mean lockstep, does it? Well, I don't think so doesn't mean they're all having the same thoughts and opinions and action. Like-mindedness mainly means shared values. Shared values. And one of those values is spiritual living. As we learn how to practice our philosophy, the science of mind, we become principle-centered people, principle-centered that we move to our center, to the source. We return back to the source time and time again. Spirit-led lives that turn to our principles for guidance in all things, moment to moment. Now, I have to admit that years ago, when I was moving through the classes of science of mind, I had some resistance uh, when I heard the phrase, treat and move your feet. I really did. After all, I reasoned in my mind, once you've 
prayed a prayer of faith, you can't help but move your feet. There's going to be some action. In other words, divine intelligence inhabiting eternity, that intelligence is everywhere, that which is within us, reveals to us what is ours to do. Once you pray, you don't have to think about, now I got to go do something. That's the way I thought. So I came to the conclusion, because I thought, I kept thinking about it, kept thinking about it, I kept thinking about it. And then all of a sudden I came to the conclusion, what's wrong with saying, treat and move your feet? You know, sometimes we have to keep going through. It's simply reiterating that the prayer of faith causes one to take action with confidence. Well, get over myself trying to say, you know, oh, that's that. Uh, no, no, no. When I thought a little deeper, what's wrong with saying that? It's fine. It's the truth. Our individual thinking is the power to reason things out until we come to the conclusion of what must be so. You know, what must be so? And that conclusion is based on the premise or the principle that we, that we have accepted as an unchanging truth. In other words, we have a bottom line. This is the truth, we say. We, we affirm all the time there's only one presence. There's only one life. The presence of God lives within me, as me. And it's taking place in, it's the activity in all of my affairs and all my activities. If that's our premise, if that's our premise, that's our default reasoning. When we start to think things through, does it measure up to that? Is it true that there can only be one power? Are we looking at, you know, well, you know, it's... there's this power for good and this power for, well, we'll just say not good, and so on. Does it stand up to your premise? Are you firm in what is the truth? We don't always have to do it the same thing. We don't. But our process of reasoning will open up our minds to the spiritual truth that flows through us. For example... Howard Thurman, you guys know who Howard Thurman is. If you don't, uh, look him up. Check out some of his books. What a profound teacher of life he is. Howard Thurman and Martin Luther King Jr. knew each other really, really well. In fact, Thurman was King's mentor when they were both at Boston University years ago. Um, Thurman was uh, dean there at the time, and King was a student there at the time. Thurman was not an activist, as we know, as we describe activists. And we know that King was. He definitely was. Thurman was not one to take up a specific social or political cause to transform a country or a world. He was a private man, and he was an intellectual. He saw spiritual cultivation as a necessary accompaniment to social activism. It's a necessary accompaniment to all action, all action, return to source in all things 
that is being undertaken. In fact, spiritual cultivation is, is, is described as uh, a personal realization by all, by all mystics of all time. The Apostle Paul made this observation. He says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we all serve the same Lord, is what he said. We translate that word Lord to law. There's one law that's governing the entire universe, one universal law. So no matter what we're doing, on our jobs, in our family. There's one Lord, one law. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work for and through and as all of us. Thousands of years earlier, before Paul came on the scene, Thousands of years earlier, Moses taught the same thing, the same thing. He said, I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and all kinds of skills. The one presence, the one power, individualizing each one of us in our unique way of expressing. Whatever that dream is within you today, their presence and the power of this one source can activate it into the reality and you live it fully as it. You become the thing you desire to experience in the world. So you see, mystics of all time, I'm reiterating, have known the truth. So what we teach here in our religious science centers and our spiritual living centers and our science of mind centers, what we teach here is ancient wisdom and new thought. There's nothing new. But we have to keep talking about the, this one principle, this one power in different ways. The way it uh, resonates in our present culture and, and way of being in the world with technology and so many other ways. We have to make it relevant. So every age of people, every new generation receives the same same teaching. There's only one life, one presence, one power. We're awakening to ourselves more fully than ever before. No matter how grim you may think it looks from time to time, oh boy, we're, we are an enlightened people. At every turn we see it. Ancient wisdom and new thought, a new way of looking at the same thing. New thought is the practical, practical application of these eternal truths. That's what it is. It's our time to carry the baton and move it forward in humanity into our greater yet to be. That's our responsibility in the understanding of truth. Yeah, there's a force to be dealt with, people. There is a force to be dealt with. It's the one spirit, it's the presence and the power that's called God. It's called God. That's the name we give to it. Put another 
Owen there and we're talking about good. We're talking about good. Everlasting good. Emma Curtis Hopkins, one of our forerunners in, this, in, in these teachings and new thought, she says, there's good for me and I ought to have it. Well, let's all affirm there. There's good for me and I ought to have it. I ought to have it. That's my birthright. That's what I ought to be experiencing. Good for me. God for me. We're smart people. We can figure that out. That's a little joke between my friend Ade and I. Ade and I, we, we just we talk about living deeply. We like to go deep and then laugh about it. We just laugh about how good God is, how we ignore the simplest, the most obvious things in life. It's right in front of our face, and we just laugh at ourselves. And then we come to the conclusion, we're on this path. We're, we're consistent and persistent. We say, we're smart people. <laughs> we're smart people. Yeah, there's good for us. And we ought to have it. So we affirm our oneness with this all-pervading one, accepting that every living being is the image and likeness of this one. Ooh, sometimes that's, you know, we have to be with that. We accept it for ourselves. This is the truth about who I am. I'm an, indiv I'm an individualization of the divine. And this is true about every living being without exception. You might have to spend some time with that. Reason it out. That if our underlying premise is true, there's only one life and one presence and one power, this has to be true. And then as smart people, we start to separate the deed from the doer. We may not like the deed, and that's okay. But oh my God, the doer is an extension of who each and every one of us is. There's only one life. Either we believe that or we don't. There's only one life, and it's living in and through and as absolutely everybody all the time. But left alone, I'm talking about this power for good, if we just leave it alone and don't recognize it, don't activate it through our word of faith, this power for good is an energy field of pure potential, an energy field an energy field of pure potential. It's always there, but inactive. Inactive until it's activated by your word of faith. By your declaration of the good that is yours and you ought to have it right here, right now. Otherwise, it's just, Ralph Waldo Emerson says, it's stretched in smiling repose. Just an energy field of pure energy waiting to be activated. Oh, I'm talking about 
we have to deal with this force. It's a force to be dealt with. I'm talking about total trust in an invisible power. Total trust. And the prayer of faith is the operative word. When you are certain that your words of prayer are life-giving, when you're certain that the word health is a life-giving word, it activates some idea of mobility and vitality and well-being. When you know that your word of peace is a, is a life-giving word, that peace implies all is well. No matter what it looks like, all is well. When you're certain that your word of faith is life-giving, you begin to prepare for the inevitable outcome of that word because you know the force that yields all life is with you. It's your word. It's your idea. It's your consciousness. But on the other hand, if your prayers kind of lukewarm, you know what I mean? You're, you're, you're wishing that you're good to come about. Well, sometimes you're even begging, please. Or bargaining. Don't, uh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I hear you. I was going to say, don't tell me that you don't know about uh, bargaining, but you just told me that you do. By like, like, oh, yeah. If you, if, if you just do this one thing, you know, I'll just... I'll pay, you, I'll pay you back. Bargaining in hopes that it will come to pass. When we're in that state of mind, there's always a mental attitude that says, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. It's left up to chance. It's as if you haven't prayed at all. It's as if the prayer had no life-yielding energy in it. In cultivating the prayer of faith, we cultivate a new way of being in the world, a new expectancy. And as Wayne Dyer puts it, instead of saying, I'll believe it when I see it, we begin to say it, I'll see it, come on, when I believe it. I'll see it when I believe it. I'll see it when I believe it. That's the way it works. That's the way it works telling you something I know here. There are many spiritual tools to support us in cultivating faith. We do spiritual mind treatments. We say affirmations. We keep gratitude journals. We give sacred service. We give time. We give money. We don't do these things to convince a deity outside ourselves of, your, of our worthiness. It's because we become certain that there's nothing standing between who we are and our word of faith. 
And these tools, what they do is they emulate or they duplicate the nature of the divine. See, the nature is within us already. We know that. But we must emulate it. We must act as if I am. Act as if I am one with the all-powerful one. That my word, my thought, my conviction, my desire makes a difference in my life. We got to act like, act like you know. Yeah, there's a power that we're forever dealing with. It's a force to be dealt with. Otherwise, it's neutral. And we're subject to chance. And being subject to chance leads to superstition. Superstition leads to fear. Or fantasy. And that leads to a concept of duality. Good and evil. May happen. May not. But when we catch the concept that we not only have access to the power, that we are one with that power, that that power is within us, and that we are in it, it occurs to us, just like it did Moses when he said, I am that I am. Can you imagine what a revelation that was? When he's thinking, what am I going to tell these people? I'm not the smartest guy in the world as far as in articulating things anyway, you know. He wasn't. But he had a deep faith within him. And he's trying to lead a lot of people into an awareness that all things are possible. You, you don't have to be down and out and subject to someone else. You're subject to that inner presence of God within you. And it's, oh my goodness, that's so abstract. How do you, how do you tell that? So he practiced one of his tools. He, he went away to, to meditate on that. What, am I, what is mine to do? What is mine to do here? I am the thing itself. I am that I am. Same when Holmes said, act. Same when Gandhi said, be. And it's the same as when Han Solo said, said may the force be with you. Mystics of all time are saying the same thing, only in their own words. In their own words. We read a lot of wonderful books. There's so much around now. When you can translate that into your own words, then you've activated the principle that I'm talking about here. When through conscious, organized, and deliberate thinking... Okay, people, conscious, you're aware of it, you're thinking, organized, I'm starting with a premise, I'm starting with a premise, and deliberately thinking, when all that starts to happen, it begins to dawn on us, there, there is indeed a mental science to living.
There's a science to living. There's a science to living. When we embody the concept that through our mind, we are forever creating the activities of our lives. It's good to say it. I know we've all said it. But I mean to embody it and know it enough that you're ready to step out and act upon that awareness. When that dawns upon you, that not only are thoughts, but there are emotions, feelings, and attitudes, when it begins to dawn on us that a great deal of power, when we start to understand all this, we start to get it. There's a great deal of power is under my personal control. I begin to, to seek out ways to, how, how do I control my own emotions? How do I change, how do I control my own feelings? You can do it. You say, oh, you know, that's just the way I am. That's just the way they are. No. The way you are is divine. I have a dear friend, a colleague of mine. She says, our DNA, we all have the same DNA. Divine nature's attribute. Is that good? <laughs> Reverend Sally Kennard, she gave me that. DNA, divine nature's attribute. So it's not just like that's who I am. That's how you've been conditioned. Now you can spend a whole lot of time thinking, oh, what happened? You know what? That'll come to you. Right now, just work on what's in front of you. If it doesn't feel good feeling the way you feel, start feeling differently. You can do that. Do you know that? You can do that. And these emotions that are just going crazy, you can, you can harness that energy. It's all energy, people. That's all it is. It doesn't matter even whose fault caused them. We can always go back and say whose fault it was. It doesn't matter in the long run. You can spend a lifetime trying to figure it out and that's futile. In fact, the more you, you come up with whose fault it is, it sustains that undesirable experience that you're having. It does. Now, right about now, you guys might be saying, you know, really, thanks for coming out today, Reverend Mary, but I know all this. <laughs> I know all this. I've taken a lot of classes. I've read a lot of books. I know this. This, this concept that you're talking about is such a simple one, you know, and it's espoused by many people in our society today. Yeah, yeah. You're a nice lady, but... <laughs> dressed up for us today and everything but I know that thought has consequences I know that there are so many books on the subjects there on the subject there are so many movies with this theme advertisers convince us of their products through these simple concepts and my response to you is yes I know the intellect knows this and once the heart and the soul believes it and accepts it, 
there is yet something to be fulfilled. What you know and believe, you demonstrate in your life. Are you demonstrating everything in your life right now that you desire to experience? I'm not fussing at you. I'm just bringing it to your attention. Oh, how precious did that grace appear. The hour I first believed. See, there's no delay in this presence and this power. It's an ever-present reality. It is stretched in smiling repose. Ernest Holmes says there's no process of healing because God is now. Wholeness is a reality now. But you know, he says there is a process in healing. Sometimes it takes time to come to that realization of truth. So be easy on yourself. Take your, take your toolbox out and figure out what needs to be activated in your life so you can come to belief. And the, it didn't say, oh, how precious did the grace appear finally. <laughs> the hour I first believed. I love that. I love that promise or that premise. That premise. It's upon this rock. It's upon this foundation I'll build my consciousness. Yeah, I like that. The hour, there's no delay. As soon as you get it, it's got you. I've got you. So we know the science of mind is not about wishful thinking. It's not. It's not, people. It's not about hopeful thinking. It's not even about being nice. Now, it's nice to be nice. I like being nice. It's about applying the principle of truth with an absolute certainty based on an unwavering conviction of certain premises. You can call them promises if you want to. It's only a matter of one letter. Drop the E and put an O in there. I'm reminded of, um, of a song. I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to sing. You don't want me to do that. And it was a song, Oh Blue Eyes. Any, do you all know what I'm talking about when I say Oh Blue Eyes? Frank Sinatra. Yeah, he used to sing a song, like something's got to give, you know. It says, when an old, when an eerie, it's a love song. When an irresistible force such as you. And you know when you fall in love, whew, it's like it's an irresistible force. And it says meets an old unmovable object such as me. Like, boy, I didn't think I could be touched in such a way. But I thought about those words and I thought, when an irresistible force such as love, God is love, good is love, 
come on now. You know that. When an irresistible force such as love meets an old, unmovable object like fear, sometimes fear is so deeply ingrained, or sadness, or what seems like unmovable objects that's blocked that flow of the divine life moving through you. Unmovable objects like illness and the such. When that force of love, which is irresistible, meets those objects, you can bet as sure as you live, something's got to give. It's the nature of life to give. It gives to you what, it, what you've claimed that you accept. It agrees with you. Something's got to give. Something's got to give. When an old irresistible... No, no. no. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Not after that beautiful rendition that our constant saying this morning. That was so personal to me. I want you to know that. And you had no way of knowing that. But when I uh, pastored uh, the church in Riverside, California, and uh, on that, um, they were doing an installation service for me after I'd been there for a few months. And we had a, a wonderful uh, choir uh, that uh, sang like angels every Sunday. And they asked, you know, was there anything special that I'd like to hear? So um, I don't know what they thought I might say. Maybe amazing grace, how sweet. <laughs> We're new thoughts, so maybe not. But I asked the choir to sing people. And they said, people? That's not what I expected. But what I do know that people who need people are the luckiest people. When you know that you're unified with every living being and the diversity of talents and skills and abilities that um, Paul talked about supports us all. Your gift supports me. And I know that my gift supports you. And somebody else has another gift. And when we start all sharing who and what we are, what a beautiful world this is. Just, they, just divine cooperation. So something's got to give. That's the nature of spirit to give. And the question is, are you willing to receive? Are you willing to receive the good that is yours, that you ought to have? Just turn, return to source. So in closing, I offer you this quote by a 14th century English theologian, a woman who said, her name was Julian of Norwich. You've heard of her probably. She says, all shall be well. And all shall be well. 
and all manner of things shall be well. For there is a force of love moving through the universe that holds us fast and will never let us go. So y'all just have a wonderful day and accept the good that is yours. And so it is. Thank you again for selecting the Trinity Center for Spiritual Living podcast for your spiritual journey and for the expression of your generosity at trinitycenteratlanta.org forward slash donate.